Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up? Monday afternoon, start of a new week. Glad to be with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino, and uh, you can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com, or as we move toward March Madness, be sure you check out uh, in person, the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Great place to watch games. Great place to get in on the action. Good food. Get the whole deal. A true sports book experience at the Golden Moon. If you would like to be a part of the conversation this afternoon, we'd love for you to join us on the Ceasefire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that's right here in Ceasefire country. Thanks for being with us. We have got a ton to get to this afternoon. All three baseball coaches will join us. Scott Berry will talk about Southern Miss's sweep of Dallas Baptist, a big weekend for Southern Miss baseball. Chris Lamonis will join us. State coming off a two and two week. They had a win over Southern Miss. They get one win out of three games in Frisco. In that one game, they played really well. The other two games, not so much. And Ole Miss coming off of a uh, sweep this past weekend where they uh, played Five games this past week. They won all three games in the Cambria College Classic in Minneapolis. And uh, Mike Bianco will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Plus basketball, plus, 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 plus. There's so much, boys. Happy Monday. You you didn't mention the biggest news of the day that we should spend three hours on. I pitched that, and you guys said, no way we're spending three hours on it. So I'll have to save it for winners and losers. Derek Carr is a saint. Yes, yeah, okay. sir. Yes. Okay. And it only costs about $2 million more a year than Kirk Cousins, and he's way better than $2 million more a year than Kirk Cousins. Is he? Yes, absolutely. Is he? Yes. Yes. He has never in his career had a defense that ranked better than 20th in the league. Can you believe that? <laughs> never. He's never had one. And the I Saints- feel like Kirk Cousins' lack of success in the playoff contributes to an overall uh, disregard for the numbers that he has put up. Well, he's also really bad when it's dark. If it's daytime, he's good. 
Well, and given that all the games in New Orleans are played inside, you don't know if it's daytime or night, so it, maybe that's a, a bad plan. Uh, so yeah. It's always nighttime in New Orleans. Not the story of the day, but that is something that later this week that I think we should spend some That's significant. It means a lot, but baseball, basketball on the brain today, obviously. Yeah, no, uh, no question about that. Uh, by the way, this is the last Monday until November where we will worry about it being darkish when we leave the studio. Daylight savings time kicks in on uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning this coming week, and so uh, it will feel as if the days have gotten longer. We certainly will have more daylight, and that is something uh, about which we can all rejoice. So um, what a weekend. So much happened this weekend. Like maybe like high-level overview, right? I mean, t- tell me about your weekend. Where to begin? That's I always wrestle with this on on these Mondays during this time of year, but especially today because, like, Ole Miss swept the weekend. Bullpen was really good for the Rebels. That's an encouraging sign. The offense is going to hit. Like, yeah, they had a good offensive weekend, but that's not like new. The young unproven bullpen, what walking two guys in fourteen innings, that that's that's big time. Bunch of freshman arms. Bunch of freshmen. They, they pitched well, and they pitched well against. Two, one really good lineup, one seemingly pretty good, and the Minnesota's not great, if we're being honest. But still, a very good weekend in a a unique place. Southern Miss bounced back from a weird weekend against Illinois, and if we're being honest, choking away a game with a late big lead against Mississippi State to sweep a team that was 7-1 and going into the weekend, and that one loss was to a top-10 TCU. But on the flip side, Mississippi State basketball had a basically win-and-you're-in game, didn't win it, SEC tournament becomes huge. Southern Miss lost in the Sun Belt tournament, which the historic season will now end, unfortunately, in the NIT yeah. because of how that works. Where do you start? I've spent all day thinking, where should we begin? And I have no idea what that answer is. Hey, Dan, in your mind, what's your what's your overview of the, the weekend as you took it all in? Well, first off, you asked, how was my weekend? And it was great. I cooked the turkey breast. Couldn't have been better. There you uh, go. That's that said, uh, what, what I take away from the weekend is more basketball than baseball, <clears throat> and that's mainly due to what Borky said there. That you know, State had put itself in this position of they they of they needed to win this game. They needed to win this game, and for the first time since the Tennessee game uh, back, you know, that was only their second game of the of the of the conference season. Their defense kind of abandoned them at the worst possible time, and then they gave up 77 points to Vanderbilt, who was missing their best player, um, and they did such damage to MSU beyond the three-point line that even though the state was plus, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of games where you're plus 21 on the rebounding margin and you lose, but yeah. that's what happened to Mississippi State on Saturday, and so now they'll go back to Nashville on Thursday, and they're sort of in that same position. They have to win if they want to go to the NCAA tournament. Is that? I do think that's where we have to start because it's the most pressing and it's the biggest story right now. Even though basketball season has been a bit of a, uh, I don't know, a little bit of a roller coaster this year, and and at times we've kind of been blah about basketball season, but certainly Mississippi State has made it interesting down the stretch through the month of February and in the into the early part of uh, of March, as we're now just six days into it. Their tournament hopes are hanging in the balance. Joe Lenardi still has them in, but they're in that precarious spot, right, where they're in the group of last four in, and that's not a safe place to be going into conference tournament week because you know there are going to be bid stealers. 
You know there are going to be upsets. There are going to be shots that get hit from half court that knock a favorite out of a tournament and cost a team a spot. That's just, in some ways, that's the beauty of the month of March. That's why we we love it so much because of the excitement that goes into it. But that also creates a great deal of heartburn if you are one of those teams that is hanging on by a thread. And I actually think, and, and we won't do this right now, I think there's a very legitimate question that we've got to ask about the way the NCAA tournament selects teams. Vanderbilt has 11 SEC wins. 11! Should be 12, right? Didn't the Florida game with them get super weird that they should have won it, but they didn't? I know should have, could have, would have, but I think it was Florida. Is that the one they lost? No, it was LSU. They lost at LSU. 88-80 to like two weeks ago. They had the five-game winning streak in conference play. They lost that game when they had all the momentum in the world. And then they came back and they won two or three in a row after that. I think it's eight of their last nine that they've won down the stretch and have beaten some good teams, right? They beat Kentucky at Rupp. They beat Tennessee at home. Those are good teams on their resume. And yet, we got Vanderbilt on the outside looking in, and it's like you know six, seven, eight spots away. I know the entire body of work matters, but at some point you're like, but you won a bunch of conference games, and that should matter, especially when you're talking about in a league that has eight teams projected to be in the tournament. So I don't entirely understand that. Uh, as it pertains to Mississippi State, kind of kind of look at the flip side, right? They're 8-10 and 10 in conference play. They're two games below 500 in conference play. Now, if you're looking at the entire body of work, that Marquette win still plays big time. That Utah win still plays. Those two wins, honestly, are the reason that Mississippi State is still projected to be in the field of 68. So what do you think they have to do in Nashville? Is it just win one? Are they going to have to win two? I think it's one. I really do think it's one. That would be you would be that would be a ninth conference win. If you if you win, you're going to play Alabama. No one's going to fault even though you've lost to them three times at that point. I don't think anybody can fault you for losing to the number two team in the nation, number three team wherever they are. I, I think with one more win, Mississippi State can count itself safe. You know what's crazy? I, I I didn't know if this was common knowledge. I always assumed this was the case, but you know CBS during a game this weekend showed a graphic of the committee's timeline. On Wednesday, they are already eliminating teams. Starting on Thursday, they're picking at larges. So we've seen, but, but the, they always have the ability to go they, back. They do. So it's not like they make a final cut on Wednesday. But I saw somebody compare that to what happened to Texas A and M last year. Remember, A and M made that deep run to the SEC championship, didn't get in, and a right. lot of people were wondering why when they stacked all those wins on top of each other. Yeah, they were already filling the bracket out. Yeah. Um, you know Missouri's resume. There's nobody questioning whether Missouri's in the in the tournament. They're actually two spots behind Mississippi State in the net. And so when you look at their resume, you're like, well, I mean, okay, they've got five quad one wins. They've got a combined nine quad one and quad two wins. To me, the thing that stands out on Missouri's resume is they do not have a single loss. All eight of their losses are to quad one teams. They don't have a single loss to a team that is outside quad one. I think that's what kind of makes their resume what it is. 
We will talk more basketball this afternoon. But coming up next, Scott Berry will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll talk about Southern Miss and their sweep of Dallas Baptist over the course of the weekend. That's coming up next. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks, as always, for being with us. Time for us, for the first time today, to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Scott Barry joins us right now, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, and it's got to be feeling good, Coach, uh, on this Monday after a, uh, a sweep of a good Dallas Baptist team. You win 4-3, to three, a one-run game on Friday, a 2-1, to one, one-run win on Saturday, then a little bit more breathing room with a 7-2 to victory yesterday. What a good weekend for your ball club. Yeah, it really was, Richard. You know, coming off the four previous games where uh, we were 3-4 and four in, in those and, uh, you know, some disappointing losses, just gave up a lot of runs and pretty sloppy on the on the pitching end with a lot of walks, hit batters, and just wasn't good baseball in all honesty. But we were able to uh, to get it right and uh, get back on uh, – on the winning track this weekend against a good Dallas Baptist team that had sweeped us a year ago over there at their place. So uh, it was it was good to, to see us come out and play good baseball. So how did you do that? How, how did you kind of flip the switch from not playing good baseball to playing good baseball for three days? Well, I think, number one, I think our starters um, really took us deep into the game, all three of them, Hall, Adams, Mazza, did a great job. Didn't have to use a, a lot of our bullpen, and, and the guys that we did out of the pen, they performed very well. Justin Storm, a big, tall left-hander who has been in our program, he was able to get his second and third save on consecutive days, Friday and Saturday. But, you know, the week previous, we just didn't get good starts. Our, our pitch counts got up high and got in the pins way too early. But, but our starters on this weekend, they were able to – get us in the sixth inning with, with Hall, and, and then Adams did a great job getting us into the eighth inning, and, and then Mazza covered six. So gave us some gave us some quality innings there and had some timely hitting. Wasn't a lot of offense scored. You know, Dallas Baptist uh, in 27 innings, they only scored in three of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And only had three extra base hits, just three doubles on the weekend. So I think our pitchers performed pretty dominant in that, in that regard. And then offensively, you know, we uh, we were able to string along some innings, uh, just just really one inning each on Friday and Saturday, but they were enough and and to, to, for us to hold on behind a good pitching to win. All right, so so let's talk a little bit about the Friday game, and I guess this is a two part question, which probably is not how I should do it, but what's your feeling knowing that you've got someone like Tanner Hall stepping onto the mound to? go out and try and deliver a performance that, that you need to, to get you going in the right direction? And I, I'll, I'll stop there and then kind of a secondary question in a second. Well, I think certainly it would be uh, it's, it's a great option uh, versus the other one where you're trying to figure out who you're going to start on Friday. Yeah. You know, last year last year we were blessed to have three Friday night guys in all honesty, you right. know, and uh, Tanner was just 
He's the guy that went Friday and Riggins went Saturday and Waltrip on Sunday. And we were blessed to have three closers on any given day that we wanted last year as well. You know, we're still kind of searching for that guy here, and I don't know if we'll find it. You know, I don't know if we'll find just one guy to fit that bill. But, you know, it is it is assuring, reassuring to know that on a Friday night that Tanner, the competitor that he is, the, the stuff and the pitchability that he has of uh, being able to uh, to dominate a team uh, on the mound and, and give your offense a chance to just score one or two runs, uh, you know, that makes you feel good. What he did last week against Illinois, he just didn't have the sink, uh, you know, and that was evident with them leaving the yard two times on him. That just doesn't happen very often. And that tells you right there his ball's just not sinking. And for him to regain that and be his old self on Friday, that was that was a good feeling to see. And I guess the second part, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about this from a – we all know that baseball is such a mental game, right? And and you, you can ride a wave of confidence, but if, if you lose that confidence, sometimes it's hard to get it back. You're leading four to nothing, and then you give up the three runs in the top of the sixth inning. Take me inside your mind there. Are you worried that your guys may tighten up at that point because all of a sudden it's a one-run game and it has kind of an oh-no-here-we-go-again feel, or did you believe that that mentally they were tough enough to really fight through that? Well, you know, I think in that inning you're describing the sixth inning, uh, and like you said, we were four to nothing, and um, I think he got a ground ball out and gave up a couple base hits. And then uh, another guy hooks a double in the uh, down the left field line, and there was an error involved that actually threw the ball out of play that moved everybody up a base. Instead of scoring one, they score two, puts that uh, third run at third base, and then a pitch gets away from Tanner, and now all of a sudden it's three runs. So you know it. We kind of we did a little bit of self destructing in that inning, which. Uh, yeah, I think I was a little bit uneasy at that time. I was a little disappointed because we were really playing well, and then all of a sudden, as we often see in baseball, it can turn on a dime in just one play, and literally that's what it did. What should have been just one run on a play ends up in two pitches that scores three runs. And then if you carry that into the next day, you, you have managed to be tough enough to, to fight through, hold it to three runs, get the one-run lead, and now you're in a one-run game again the next day. You, you trail one nothing. you get the two-spot in the fourth inning, so it's a 2-1 game, and that's what the final ends up being. So you've just kind of proven to yourself that, that you can win a close game. Does that factor in? Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, in that game, Adams, who, who went seven and third for us, you know, that inning that they scored the one run, uh, they had first and second one out. He was able to induce that 4-6-3 double play that really killed that momentum. And then in the sixth inning, you know, we had a big error that allowed the runner at third with one out, and he was able to pitch around it with a strikeout and a 4-3 to, to minimize and, and leave the game at 2-1 to one at that point. And then from there on, uh, we did we did have a couple of times there late in the late innings where our relievers inherited runners and did a great job, preferably stormed there in the, in the ninth inning up to mm-hmm. one with a runner at first and second. He inherits that and gets uh, gets two strikeouts, one looking and one swinging to end the, end the game. So hopefully with those things where we've had trouble in the bullpen, that will give us some confidence moving forward, particularly and, with the guys that were, that were used this weekend and the experience that they got from it. 
And then yesterday, you, you get to breathe a little bit, right? You, you get the run in the first, you get two more in the second, you build up a 5 nothing lead, so you've got a little bit of cushion, and then you really kind of put the stamp on it in the eighth inning where you had a couple of runs. That, that had to feel good because it was a different type game after having such high-leverage baseball for two two days. Yeah, you know, that eighth inning was really key, 5-2, to two, and uh, we know that Dallas Baptist has the ability to hit. I mean, their numbers indicated that coming in, contrary to what Friday and Saturday uh, showed us. But, you know, they had that ability. And, you know, like any team, nobody wants to get swept, and there's that sense of urgency late in the game. But, yeah. you know, with Danny Lynch's sack fly there in the, in the bottom of the eighth, and then Freak Robinson, a two-out RBI single, uh, you know that that really pushed us forward and made it seven to two. And, and Middleton just had a really clean inning in the ninth. Uh, young freshman is going to be really good with a three up, three down, and uh, so felt felt real good about it. So a sweep over the weekend to get to eight and three overall, and you turn the page to this week and you you get right back to it. Got to hit the road for uh, a trip to Oxford with a, a game against Ole Miss on Tuesday night, and then Valpo coming to your place uh, next weekend. Obviously, your midweek schedule is is never an easy one, right? Whether it's whether it's the the games that you play with South Alabama or Tulane or Mississippi State or Ole Miss a couple of times throughout the course of the year, you you really challenge yourself in these midweek games. Yeah, we do, and you know, geographically, I mean, that's that's what's great about the South. You know, they are good baseball teams. They are good RPI teams that surround you. So everybody's really helping one another in, in that, in the big scheme and big picture when you're trying to build that resume for at the end of the year. So, you know, certainly tomorrow night with uh, with us going to, to Ole Miss will be a great challenge for us. And, and then from there, we'll move to, to Valparaiso, who took two out of three from Little Rock this, this past weekend on the road, you know, looking at not that I'm looking ahead, but uh, just kind of getting some stuff. Alpo's a, a, an older team that seems to be playing well. So when we put this schedule together, we knew we, it was going to be challenging, and we wanted it to be because we wanted to build that best resume and strength schedule that we could. Last thing for you, Coach, what are you going to do on the mound tomorrow night against Ole Miss? Yeah, you know, we're probably going to see several, in all honesty, Richard. Um, you know, just not having that true – fourth starter uh, enables us to have the option to go uh, several different ways and I don't know if it's even been released yet so I'm not going to I don't know if Jack's put it out there so I'm okay. I'm going to hesitate to to tell it to you here but you know we we have a plan moving forward but I, I'm sure it's going to it's going to see several people that take them out for us all right, should be a lot of fun tomorrow night. Southern Miss and Ole Miss in Oxford with a 6:30 first pitch. Scott, always appreciate your time. Safe travels and good luck. Thank you, Richard. That is Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. A good weekend for them. I mean, you heard us guys talking just a second ago about the middle piece of the game. But to get back-to-back one-run wins after the disappointing one-run loss to Mississippi State in the midweek where you felt like you had a chance to win and losing two the previous weekend, it's got to be a huge confidence boost for this, uh, this Southern Miss baseball team. Yeah, the term get right gets overused sometimes, but that's what that was for Southern Miss, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and they got right. Now 8-3 and three and headed to Oxford tomorrow night. Sports Talk Mississippi, more with you coming up after this. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Yes! 
Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. New top 25 from D1 Baseball is out. And not a lot of change, still SEC heavy. LSU remains number one at 10 and one on the season. Tennessee stays at number three. They are 11 and two. I think they've won eight in a row since, uh, is it eight in a row? Or maybe it's 11 in a row after uh, an 0 and two start to the year. Ole Miss at 10 and two is fourth in the country. Wake Forest is number five nationally, and they have absolutely been raking. They swing the heck out of it offensively. Florida is number six, uh, despite a three and two week and a ten and three overall record. They're really good on the weekends with with Sprout and Waldrop, and then uh, Gaglione, who is a, a two way guy as their uh, their Sunday pitcher, and they are swinging the heck out of it. Vanderbilt is at seven, which is where they were a week ago. Arkansas at eight. Look at the rest of the SEC. Texas A&M stays at number 15 despite a 7-4 and record. Uh, 12-0 Alabama. They move from number 20 to number 18. South Carolina. Uh, they get two from Clemson on the weekend in that play one at Clemson, one in Greenville, one in Columbia series. Uh, they win the second and third games of the weekend to move to 11-1 and on the year and go from 23-20. to uh, Southern Miss moves three spots up after their sweep of Dallas Baptist this past weekend from 25 to uh, to 22. Is there anything for you guys that stands out so far in this college baseball season? And, and, and I think we've got some things, but specifically as it pertains to the state of Mississippi. State coming out of the gate after what happened last season is deeply concerning. If, if we're being honest, and it seems like, all of the fans I've interacted with uh, agree. It's it's not like that's something that's going to upset people. Uh, the the volume of free passes they give from their pitchers. Uh, what is it? Twenty six stolen bases allowed. Um, uh, what a nine forty two fielding percentage. It'd be one thing to just not be winning games, but the manner in which they're not winning games, paired with the way last season went, is deeply troubling. And that that might be – is that the story of the SEC so far? Alabama's good. That's interesting. You know, A&M hasn't been as good as you thought they were. Pitch clock might be messing with them. LSU's mashing the ball. Ole Miss is mashing the ball. But, man, I mean, stumbling out of the gate is Mississippi State right now. And, I mean, did you mention defense? Yeah, nine forty six, nine forty two, nine forty six, something like that. Clip nine forty nine. Oh, nine forty nine. Oh, they're better than we gave them credit for. But regardless of that, they're not good. That is that is an awful, awful defense. They had ten errors in four games last week, two of which they won somehow. Um, that's that's not that's not baseball. That's not how you you can't win giving away free bases like that the way the state does with walks and and and. Uh, and, and, and errors. So, I mean, in the state, yeah, that's definitely got to be the story, you know, especially with Southern Miss turning around and having a good week last week. Uh, you know, Ole Miss is, is playing right up to expectations right now. They're, they look very good. 
you know, you you were you were wondered if state was going to bounce back. Thus far, the answer is no. So, I think most of us look at Mississippi State and think that there is an opportunity for this to be a pretty good offensive team. But they're not consistent offensively right now. It's like when there's a a good offensive game, I mean, it's like the floodgates open. But it's not consistent. Mississippi State is 12th in the SEC in team batting average at 291. They have hit 11 home runs. No, that's not right. They've hit 19 home runs, 25 doubles. So, so there's some there's some pop in the batting order, but there's not consistency. But I do think so, so. Let's set the offense aside, right? So, so there's maybe some issues with offense, but we see a lot of potential with, with the offensive piece for Mississippi State. The defense and the pitching is really concerning. Mississippi State is dead last in the SEC in Team ERA. They're giving up 5.75 earned runs per game. In 108 innings pitched, Mississippi State has walked 79 batters. That's that's a real problem. And then you couple that with the woes defensively. Mississippi State has made 23 errors in 12 games. That's an average of almost two errors per game, and it's nine more than 13th place South Carolina, who's made 14 errors. And if you're curious, at the top of the league, you've got Ole Miss and LSU who are playing at a stupid level defensively right now. Ole Miss and LSU have each committed just three errors on the season. I was talking with Brad Henderson earlier today. We were just kind of talking about defense in the SEC and the, some things that are, feel different about the game this year overall. And I made the point to him, I was like, I mean, if you go look at the twenty previous 22 seasons for Mike Bianco, I would guess that Ole Miss has averaged over 22 years about a 972-973 fielding percentage. Which is really good. It's solid. It's not exceptional, but it certainly is not poor. They're fielding it at a 992 clip right now. They've made three errors in 378 chances. That is insane. Probably not sustainable either. No. But no. it feels like the, the thing is, Brad Henderson, he's like, I don't think they've kicked a ground ball the entire season. Like you've got maybe a couple of throwing errors on a catcher and one airmailed throw from the third baseman across the diamond. And that's it. LSU was abysmal defensively last year. Like maybe the worst in the entire SEC. I'd have to go back and pull up the final numbers. And they're in the same boat. They've committed three errors in 350 chances this year. They're fielding at a 991 clip. And I only point those out. It has nothing to do with with comparing directly to Mississippi State. It's it's more like giving you a baseline of, okay, what's the absolute best in the SEC and what's the worst in the SEC? I mean, somewhere in the middle is Kentucky and Arkansas who've made nine errors on the season. Mississippi State's made two and a half times more than average. So you're 12 games in. When am I allowed to say that's just what this team is? I, I don't I'm getting know. close to that, right? I, I don't know the answer. And, and hey, Dad, I want to 
I want to ask Chris Lamonis that today because he's told us in, in consecutive weeks, he's like, I'm having trouble understanding the defensive piece because we've been a good defensive team in practice and in the games leading up to the start of the season. And so you have to wonder if some of it's mental, right? It's like because right. it has happened, are you like, oh, no, here it comes again, And right. as opposed to just going out and playing with confidence and playing with who you actually are. I mean, look, Mississippi State could could go this week and have one error over the course of four games, and their fielding percentage could go from 949 to, you know, 965 this week. But that's got to start, right? I mean, you, you've got to got to start making the routine plays. You got to stop making bad throws. You got to stop giving up extra bases to see that kind of a jump. And when you combine that with the fact that you're walking too many guys and you're not limiting teams offensively, it's a recipe for for a, a tough go of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's there's no other way to get around that. You just you can't. You know, in ba- in football, you can not be good defensively and still win, right? You can just be a powerhouse offensive team. In basketball, if you get up and down the court, sometimes you can get around being bad defensively. You cannot win in baseball when you're bad defensively. When you just put guys on base, because it just it, it everything else comes around from that. And then, of course, you add the fact that you're not pitching well. I mean, that's two thirds of the game: pitching, defense, hitting. You, you two thirds, you're not good at it right now. So. Yeah. It is a tough road to climb for Mississippi State right now. And not telling you guys something you don't already know, but as good as their offense appears to be, you're going to run into nights in the SEC where there, there's an arm that you're up against that's just going to shut you down. Because that's just what happens. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's happening now in, in non-conference play. It happened Friday night yeah. against Ohio State. It happened against ULM. And you just they they couldn't get anything going offensively. What's it going? Yeah, and when SEC play starts, those those numbers are going to drop. There's no there's no getting around it. They drop for everybody. They drop for the good teams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is second in the SEC with a three fifty two team batting average. They're not going to hit three fifty two for the year. It's going to come down. That'll drop 30, 40, 50 points when you get into SEC play. You'll be but, you'll be happy to hit three ten as a team. You know. I, I was going to say if you hit three ten as a team. For the year, you're good. In the SEC, you're going to be top four in the league, and you're going to have a really good season. Yeah. So, um, it's an interesting start to the year. Long way to go. We're not even to conference play. We've got one more weekend of non-conference play before we start league play. But it's starting to get real. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a timeout. We will wrap up the 3 o'clock hour when we come back. next keep it moving buddy you can be a part of sports talk mississippi triple eight eight oh eight eight six three seven on super talk mississippi Back 
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. A lot of recognition of the Leonard Skinner bump music today. Well done. Yeah, I've got an unfortunate loser. Yeah. All of us? All of us. Fans of music. Hey, Dad, you gave a face. You're not, you've seen the news. I know you have. I have not seen the news. Gary Rosington passed away. Oh, it's, oh that sucks. Yeah, I did but, not know that. No, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry man. to hear that. Yeah, the, the last original member of Leonard Skinner. Uh, they didn't uh, announce an official cause of death, but uh, he had had heart issues for quite some time. I think had a heart attack like all the way back in 2015. Uh, had a procedure done a few years ago. So, you know, older man, heart health being an issue, either way. Sad day. Yeah. Um, let's go to some of these messages, most of them as it pertains to Mississippi State baseball. I've been a diehard State fan my whole life and especially love baseball. State is 9-18 and 18 in the last 27 games. That's absolutely unacceptable. That's a... Uh... You take the group of five teams out; they're three and fourteen. Jason Columbus Arizona says, "You State can see." Pa- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. There was the Arizona State, who State took two of three from last week. They were swept this weekend by UC Irvine. Hmm. I mean, not a lot of good signs right now. Jason Columbus says, "You can see the fielding and the plate approaches are both notice- noticeably different." when the pitching doesn't have them playing in a can't-win type mindset. I might have to trust you on that, Chase. I, I just honestly have not been able to watch enough yet to feel like I've got to read on how guys are reacting in certain situations. It's got to be tough, though, without knowing for sure, because I'm not in their minds. But, I mean, when you feel like offensively, Hey, we got to score double digits today. That can adversely affect you. You stop relaxing. You you think that well, this at bat matters because we're going to give up runs, or we already have given up runs, and we got to swing our way back into this thing, or else it's going to get ugly. I mean, they, they were good offensively on Saturday and got smoked. They were good, like produced on Saturday offensively. Mm-hmm. And got beat, if you look at the, the score differential, badly. That's got to mess with your psyche a little bit. Um, Mike says all three errors on Ole Miss this year have been on the third baseman. I double-checked that, and he's right. All three belong to Ethan Leger at third base. So the only three errors this season have come from, uh, from Leger. Who, by the way, if you watch, is really good defensively. Dwayne and Brandon says, this looks like the LSU of old. I remember those days. It's a really talented team. Really talented team. And they're doing everything well. When you look at kind of SEC overall standings, I mean, LSU is fifth in batting average. They're hitting .332. They're fifth in pitching with a 3.1 ERA. They're second in the league in fielding percentage. 
again, with only three errors so far this year. A lot of pop. A lot of pop. They're actually 10th in the SEC in home runs. They've hit 17 home runs. That's fewer than Mississippi State, fewer than Ole Miss. Florida leading the way with 35 home runs already this season. They can really swing it. They can break, yeah. Paul in Starkville simply says, fire the coaches. Feels a little premature. Straight to it. Um, State's hitting approach concerns me going into the eighth inning in one of the last couple of games behind by five runs and have two guys strike out looking. What's up with that? Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't read other message boards, but if there's another message board or another fan base that talks about hitting approach more than Mississippi State, I don't. I can't imagine. It's every. It's every day. Hmm. I will say approaches look bad when you don't hit the ball. It doesn't mean the approach is bad. It's kind of like not making shots. It looks like whatever your offensive system is is terrible. You make shots, whatever you're running looks good offensively in basketball. Right. It's like watching Luca. Luca takes horrible shots, and he makes them. And and they look bad coming out of his hand too. And, they, and he makes them all the time. Yeah. Yep. Um. Let's see here. George in West Point says, "When your pitching is good, usually the rest of the team is." Ron Polk once said, "Pitching is seventy-five percent of the game." There's something to that. Uh. Ba-ba-ba. Another one about warm seats, hot seats, all of those things. Uh, let's be realistic and honest. If State doesn't get better fast and the losing continues in the SEC, does Lamonis make it through the season? Yes, he makes it through the season. He, he, he makes, yes, yes. Winners and losers when we come back on Sports Talk Mississippi. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you on this Monday afternoon. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can book your tee time or plan your trip on their website, dancingrabbitgolf.com. Ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out, ceasefire.com slash business. Uh Let's just jump right in. We're, we're tight on time because of coach interviews on Mondays. Let's jump right in to winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. 
What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? You know, we sort those into winners and losers. We'll get to yours on the ceasefire text line a little bit later in this four o'clock hour. I'll lead us off today. Uh, watched the XFL last night. First time I'd really watched uh, any of the XFL broadcasts. And that is a fun, different, interesting, thought-provoking broadcast. You get access like we could only like dream about in fantasy land watching a college football game. You get the offensive coordinator calling the play and talking directly to the quarterback and it's not shut off at a certain time like it is in the NFL. He can like during the play could talk to his quarterback or his wide receiver or his running back. Um you get Dean Blandino in the replay booth talking about what he's seeing as he is watching the replay and conferring with the officials. It's a level of access that you just don't get anywhere else. And there's a ton that is going into those broadcasts in terms of investment. It's really good. Last night was Tom with Cole in the booth, and then you had uh, Taylor Davis and Don Davenport on the sideline. A little bit different crew than they normally have. That crew is normally Tom with Borky's favorite Greg McElroy in the booth, and then Cole Kubelik and Katie George on the sidelines. So it shuffled a little bit. I thought they had a really good show, and that was intriguing. It just got me thinking, man, what would it be like to watch a college football game where you heard the offensive coordinator calling the play and talking to his quarterback while he was on the field? You saw what the replay officials were looking at. You got immediate access to a head coach after a decision during the game. Hey, why'd you do that? What'd you see? It'd be incredible. It's not going to happen. But uh, that is kind of making the XFL worth watching, even though not a ton of people are watching it. Borky, give me a winner. Uh, the obvious, the Saints. They targeted one quarterback that, that they wanted. There were very few options, honestly, that were realistic, but this was the best one, and they went out and they got him. And based on the contract structure, apparently it's not a $37.5 million a year deal. It's more like three years, 33 per year, which sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But if you look at the other quarterbacks in the league making that much, he's in the same price range as Tannehill and Cousins and those kind of guys. Um, It's an upgrade, no doubt. He's not the best quarterback in the league, but is he a top 12? I think so. And with this division as weak as it is, and the defense for the Saints as good as it's been, a top-seven defense each of the last three years, you can win the division with Derek Carr. You can host a home playoff game with Derek Carr. And in the post-Breeze, post-Payton era, that would be a really good first step for the franchise after those two guys are gone to win the division again, to host a playoff game again, and you can do that with this roster and with Derek Carr. They got it done. They fought off the Jets. They fought off the Panthers. He is better than he gets credit for because he has played with some of the worst defenses in the league every single year. Not the case anymore. Good pickup, and the Saints are back. Mm, I don't know about the last part, but no, we'll see. they're back. Seventeen to zero. More like we'll probably a ten-win team. If they win 10 before, games, they're, they're winning the division if just get to 10 wins. You you had seven a year ago. Derek Carr is better than plus three over Dalton for sure. Okay. Hey, Dad, give me a winner, please. 
Uh, let's go with Tolu Smith. Good day for him today. Not even really from the weekend. Today. I mean, he had a good game Saturday night, although his team lost. But today named first team All-SEC and named the winner of the Howell Trophy as the top state, uh, basketball player in the state of Mississippi. Uh, fifth Bulldog in six years to win that award. Also congrats to Angel Baker from Ole Miss. Uh, she wins the Gillum as the uh, state's top women's basketball player. But uh, for Tolu Smith, you know, when I when I voted for my finalists, uh, I guess about a month and a half ago or whenever that was, I, I voted. I had Tolu on my list, but I thought, okay, I'm probably going to vote. Is it Crowley or Crowley from um, from Southern Crowley. Miss? And and I thought, okay, he's probably going to end up winning it. And then Tolu really turned it around in February and had such a great month and was a big part of why State was able to get onto the NCAA tournament bubble. So good day for Tolu Smith. It certainly was, and uh, absolutely the deserving recipient of that award. All right, I've got one uh, for you guys that could fall into two different categories. Uh, A winner for a broadcaster calling it like it is, and a loser for an organization not exactly acting like a big-time organization. We take you to spring training. And the legendary voice of the San Francisco Giants, John Miller. Here's a curveball, and that's in for a strike. I'm guessing, I have to guess, the D-backs decided, ah, the heck with the big leagues. Let's just not be a big league team for the split squad. Here's the 1-1 pitch, and a fastball swung on a miss by Bryce Johnson. It's 1-2. They have sent no public relations people over here. No information about who the manager is or anything at all about him. So if they don't want to be a big league team, we'll just treat them like a sandlot team. So they give us no information about anything. So one of those guys in a red shirt managing and a right-hander, one of their right-handers on the mound, and there's a ball up and away. That's John Miller, a guy over there in a red shirt managing. And uh, one of their right-handers is on the mound. He, he did go on to call them um, a a bush league, the the bush league Diamondbacks. Mm. I like it. There are certain things that go along with being a big league team. I did a little homework on what little we have, which is nothing whatsoever from the bush league D-backs. We'll be back after this. That's what John Miller said going into a commercial break. Woo. How about that? So. John Miller, winner for calling it like it is. Not many broadcasters can get away with that. He can. Uh, and the Diamondbacks. Come on, man. Get it together. Act like you care. Be a big league team. Winner and loser all rolled into one. Yeah. John Morant's a loser. And Oof. his suspension, Oof. hopefully, somebody intervenes. Because after, after, a report came out that he was playing a pickup game at his home where a 17-year-old apparently threw a ball at him. And so he punched that 17-year-old, later reportedly went inside the home, came out of the home with a gun on his waist. Also, an incident where he or somebody in his party reportedly got into a physical altercation with mall security after it was also reported that as he was leaving the arena in a car, somebody inside of a car that he was in pointed a rifle with a laser on it at a member of the Pacers traveling party. Mm -hmm. 
after one of his people in his closest inner circle during a timeout of a game walked onto the court trying to start a physical altercation with an opponent, after all of that happens to John Morant, after a loss in Colorado, he goes on Instagram Live at a strip club holding a gun up to his head, not pointing it at his head, but up against his head, smiling at a strip club, holding a pistol. A very small pistol, by the way, but holding a pistol. That guy, somebody in his life needs to get him away from whatever it is causing him to act like that because he is a few months away from a $200 million payday. He is the face of the Grizzlies, but also Memphis and the surrounding area. He has a chance with his athleticism and his ability to be an elite-level player like multiple championship-winning guard. He is unbelievable to watch. But he is very, very close to throwing every single bit of that away. Because instead of acting like a professional and a, and a ball player, he's acting like an idiot. Something worse. And if he doesn't stop soon, he's going to throw it all away. And Morgan, you said somebody that's close to him needs to help him. No, it, it appears, based on what we've seen, that the people close to him are doing him no favors whatsoever. Yeah. And... It is going down a terrible road, and it's going down that road fast. Very, very fast. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be joined by Chris Lamonis coming up next. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Time for us to go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. Go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're joined by Chris Lamonis right now after a little bit of an up-and-down week for, for Mississippi State. Started uh, in the midweek with a win against Southern Miss. Come from behind victory down in Pearl. Then they go to Frisco, Texas, a couple of losses, and then win the finale of uh, of that tournament yesterday against Cal by a final of uh, of eight to four. So, coach, some kind of mixed results from the week when, when you look back on these last four games. What's your takeaway? Well, we, we're not consistent. That's probably the biggest thing. Is we're playing some good games and we play good at times in the game, but we just have we're having lapses right now in certain ones. Even the Southern Miss game that we won. You know, we were we had to lead in the middle of the game, come out, <clears throat> give up a handful of runs. You know, fortunately, we come back and win that game against a really good team in front of a great crowd. And then uh, kind of the same thing on Friday night. It's 1-1 game, and, you know, we're a strike away from getting out of the inning. We end up giving up the big inning. So for us being able to manage the strike zone from the rubber, make our plays, and, you know, and then just do the little things offensively. I think we left 16, 17, 18 guys on on Friday night. So, you know, disappointing to lose a game like that. You've told us the last couple of weeks when we've talked that, that what you've seen from this team in the fall and in the, the practices leading up to the start of the year was that you were a good defensive team, and you still believe that to be the case. So, well, no, I, I'm not throwing that in your face. Uh, no, I mean, no, no, no. I'm, I'm like, uh, as we go, I'm starting to, you know, like I told I told our coaches this morning, you know, we're not a good defensive team right now, and you really you are what you are. 
And so um, just because we were good in the fall doesn't mean we're good right now. So we're really, you know, trying to spend some extra time there. Not to cut you off, I'm sorry. No, not at all. I, I was just saying I wasn't trying to throw that in your face. I mean, you've seen your team more than anybody else. Is this one of those things where it has become mental early in the season? Well, I think it, it becomes that a little bit, right? <clears throat> I mean, I think we, uh, you know, we that first week we probably made more errors than we did in a month last year. So, um I think that kind of got us rolling in a bad direction, but I, I do I do have confidence in our guys out there defensively, and and I you know we're just working a little harder, doing a little bit extra, trying to figure it out, put our put the right guys in the right places. I think is a big thing for my side managing, but um, you know we, we, I've talked a lot to the team about winning baseball lately, and you know we're doing a handful of small things that don't help us win games, and and defense is one. You know, you, you can always keep yourself in the game defensively just by making your plays. And it, and it keeps good momentum on your side. Coach, I thought you bookended the weekend with good pitching performances with Gerangelo Sanjay on, on Friday night getting the start and Nate Dome on on Sunday in that incredible relief uh, appearance. Let's start with Gerangelo. How would you assess his first Friday night start in, uh, for your team? I thought he was really good. I mean, he... Uh, I mean, he's, he's real efficient. You know, I've never said this about a guy, but both arms. I mean, he was good from both sides. Um, handled the moment because we had a big crowd out there in Frisco. We had a lot of people, so I thought he did a great job of, of handling their lineup and, and just pitching. And hopefully each week we can extend him a little bit more, trying to get him to be a fifth or sixth inning guy, which would really help. Um, but it's different for him. Everybody thinks it's easier because it's half of one arm, but it's your whole body, you know. So your body's... You know, he hasn't, this kid hasn't pitched a ton of, that's probably one of his longest outings of his career he had Friday night. So just kind of constantly trying to move him forward a little bit, get him used to it, being in a rotation, you know, those type of things. For, forgive and a dumb question. I, 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 I'm curious about this, and what you said makes sense there when you talk about, like, total body strength. And, and yeah. you know, you think about a pitcher, it's like, oh, he threw 100 pitches and that was the strain on the right arm. But I guess it's the whole body. If he was at a place physically, I mean, could he throw, as opposed to kind of switching back and forth, right, left, I mean, could he theoretically throw 75 pitches with his right hand over the course of four innings and then flip around and go left-handed for the next 75 pitches? I mean, he could. It's just it's just, it's what the body takes, not so much the arm, you know. And so I, I, um, I you know, late in his start the other day, his, his, his right knee got, you know, when he lands on his, from when he's throwing left hand, it was, you know, bothered him a little bit, so he just went right-handed for the last two hitters. You know, just hmm. and he faced, uh, you know, two right-handed to a left-handed hitter. So he just has some some special things that he can do. He has that that ability. But you know, we're figuring out as time goes on his work, his bullpens, his you know, as we're as we're getting him going. You know, it's a you know, it's new for all of us, but it's it's even new for him because he hasn't he just hadn't pitched on this type of stage before. And pitched this much before. I mean, he's been a shortstop his whole life for the most part. Going back to the weekend with, with Nate Dome on Sunday, just incredible. And he's been really good for you uh, thus far early in the season. With the way he pitched and able to give you five innings like that, is, is that a situation where you might look at moving him into the rotation? Yeah, he's kind of that hybrid type of guy. So he can kind of do a little bit of everything. So we're using him, you know, um, he could start, he could come in relief, uh, you know. It probably depends on how the weekend plays out. So, but um, he's special talent. I think the last pitch he threw was ninety-eight. You know, he just 
And he's super efficient, which we haven't been super efficient lately. Even our best guy, Landon Gartman's a great pitcher, you know, 95 pitches and four innings this weekend. We just, you know, we have to pitch more. We have to attack the zone more. Um, and so Nate was a guy who did that. He just ran out there and won the ball game, which was nice to see. Coach, anything you can tell us about uh, about Cade Smith and kind of his progress and when you might see him again? Well, who was that again? I'm sorry, I lost you. Yeah, with Cade Smith, the, the Friday starter, obviously the first couple of weeks. Yeah, he's just um, you know a little sore right now, so we're we're week to week just kind of watching him, seeing where he's at. We have a handful of guys that kind of in that scenario, so kind of limiting us a little bit of of what we're doing on the on the mound. So, but. Uh, you know, he's progressing, and hopefully we'll have him back here soon. Is Aaron Nixon in that group as well, Coach, of guys you just can't go to right this second? Yes, he is. He's in that group, too. Kind of the same answer for him, you know. So, Coach, when, when well, you look, we at, look at this next stretch of games, uh, Valpo on Tuesday night, then the series against Lipscomb, and you got a couple of games down in Biloxi before you jump into league play. How important is this, I don't know, next six, seven-game stretch to kind of get things moving in the right direction and, and get some confidence kind of up and down the lineup and in the field and on the mound and, and all of those things? And they're real important. And everybody we're playing, they're all playing good. You know, I'm not – can act like everybody's the Yankees, but, you know, Lipscomb went down and played Auburn head-to-head all weekend long, you know, and got some really good arms there on their staff, and Valpo's playing well, and we got Louisiana Lafayette next week, who's a really good team, and Nichols is playing well. Like, for us, we're trying to – the message just keeps being about being consistent, being consistent. You know, us bringing it to the ballpark, we, we keep coming. We'll play a really good game. I mean, we had beaten Arizona State, Arizona State, and Southern Miss, and then we come on out on Friday night, and we actually do a great job against – the best arm in the whole tournament is who we faced on Friday night. And uh, we did a great job of getting them out in the fifth and having a tie game. And then, boom, we have a, you know, mental lapses. And next thing you know, we're chasing them. And uh, if we'd have just stuck, stayed in there and done the little things, we'd have been right in the middle of a good ball game. So um, for us to figure ourselves out, and I, I got to get the right pieces in the right spots, you know, and so – I've probably held on to a handful of guys. You may see some new guys this week of just trying to, you know, we got to become a better defensive team. We got to throw more strikes. We got to defend the run game a little bit better. So there's some things that from my side, I got to, I got to make a couple changes. Coach, you've given Bradley Loft in the last two Tuesday starts. Is he going to go on the mound for you tomorrow as well? Yes, he'll throw tomorrow. So he's rested and got a full week and be ready to go and, um, you know, very talented freshman. Coach, as always, we appreciate your time. Wish you the best this week and uh, look forward to talking to you next Monday. Thanks, guys. Hell State. That's Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. And hey, when you look back on the week as a whole, I mean, there's this roller coaster, right? I mean, the, the the high of winning a game that maybe you weren't ready to win, but you won on Tuesday night against Southern Miss, and then you have a couple that get away from you, and then you come out and really did some good things. I mean, you mentioned Nate Dome at the end of the game. There were a couple of tape measure home runs that were mixed in there. There, there was a lot of good that happened in that game against Cal yesterday. That's the thing about this, this start for Mississippi State is that 
you see some flashes here and there of a talented and 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 could be successful baseball team, but it just gets overwhelmed by the mistakes that they make. And if they could just find that's that's maybe that's a positive to take away that if they, they, what they're doing is self inflicted, and if they can figure out a way to get away from that, they could start winning some baseball games. But they got to do that, and that's the difficulty. Yeah. Ceasefire text line, not of you. Uh, no, you didn't all love that interview. Thought this was Haydad's segment, not Richard cutting him off every time. It's a Mississippi State segment. Sorry. So why not let the Mississippi State guy lead it? It's kind of how we do it every week, right? Where we, we both ask him questions. Thanks. We both have questions. Yeah. Uh, followed up by uh, a different one on the Ceasefire text line. That interview sucked. Thanks. Great. Appreciate I'll you cut listening. you off during the Bianco interview. I'll just ask him a question randomly. Don't worry about it. I'll get All you right. back. Sports Talk Mississippi <laughs> streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll be right back. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Supertalk Mississippi. To the ceasefire text line to get your winners and losers from the weekend. You can send them to us at 601-879-4395 again on the ceasefire text line. Borky, this one dovetails with what you were talking about as we wrap that up uh, to begin the hour. Another loser, John Morant, and everyone in his inner circle. He is headed for disaster, and none of his inner circle is helping him. No, and that's kind of the problem. I was listening to somebody talk about it this morning, and they said, you know, in cases like this, you would tell somebody to lean on the people closest to you, but they might very well be the people that are driving him to act like this. Yeah. It's a shame. It is, because the the, the personality is great. Like, if you've ever, like, listened to him in an interview and stuff, he's, he's got a big smile, like, he's engaging, and he jumps out of the gym. Like, he is so athletic, and yet can't stop doing stuff like this. Yeah, and if you go back to when he was at Murray State and you talk to the people that either coached him or watched him or were around him, this was not his personality. This was not who he was. He was a guy that worked tirelessly at basketball. But something has changed, and, you know, one of the hardest things in life to do can be to cut off or distance yourself from the people that are closest to you, even if you know that they are a negative influence. And it feels like Java Rant is trying to be something that he is not. And in the process is leading himself down a path of personal destruction that has the potential for disastrous consequences. And I'm not talking about not getting a contract. 
not becoming one of the highest paid players in the game. It has nothing to do even with that. How about leading him down a path of life and death? And he's making some really, really poor choices. And you just hope that somehow that can change. Yeah. You hope. Uh, George and West Point, winner. Thunder and Lightning podcast on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. It's actually a radio show on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. It's an offshoot of the highly successful Thunder and Lightning podcast that has been making its way through the interwebs for the uh, the last, how long, eight years? Thunder and Lightning has been around since 2018. Prior to that, though, I started podcasting in 2011. Okay. Twelve years. I saw a hilarious headline, by the way. It was, uh, I forget exactly the verbiage, but it was, Podcasters are discovering a new lucrative medium, live shows. And I thought, <laughs> you mean I'm radio? ahead of the curve on that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, there weren't a whole lot of podcasts out there 11 years ago. No. No. I, I, I kind of got that first to market thing going for me. Yeah. Uh, George says, losers, those who don't listen to Thunder and Lightning on Wednesdays at 6. Look forward to it every week. Keep up the good work. Hey, Dad. Thank you, George. I appreciate it. Is that your wife's name? We know she doesn't listen. <laughs> she doesn't listen. Mike been in, in the studio said, that day after what I said. My winners are the 50 to 75 Ole Miss fans, in addition to families of players who traveled to Minneapolis to watch baseball this weekend. That had to be a fun trip, I would think. Yeah. So... Two, two different things, because I, I saw a lot of people, and I heard it myself, complaining about the venue, not the broadcast, that's a different deal. Although the broadcast should show everybody the way the rest of the country thinks and feels about college baseball. Like, you're spoiled as a fan of an SEC team. It's more like that than it is what you're used to every weekend. That yeah. notwithstanding, I, I heard a lot of, why would we play there? The field doesn't make sense. This is stupid. It's like, hold on. The dimensions were weird, sure. But a, a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds got to go to a city they've probably never been to and play in an NFL stadium. And by the way, play a ranked team and a good Nebraska. It, it's a new life experience for a bunch of young guys that, if I remember correctly, were supposed to be playing in a different tournament anyway, right? And then something got weird, and so they had to... Isn't that what happened? Either way, it's a, a new, awesome NFL stadium that they got to play on in a city that they've never been in, and they got to hang out with their buddies for a few days in a unique place. Like, it, it's not just about you, the fan, sitting at home watching on your computer. Like, if I were 19, let's go spend a week in Minneapolis. Why not? I want to go play in an NFL stadium. Sure, sounds good to me. It's not always just about you, the fan. Sometimes the the kids get a cool, unique experience. It's fun. I talked to some people who were there, and they're like, "It was not a well-run event." Okay, it just just no, wasn't wasn't great. They won you know, three games. They played baseball. Fine. Well, and that's the thing. They they went, and from a baseball standpoint, they that, none of that mattered. They went out and they won three games. Uh, what else have we got? Mike, i got to hit you up in five years if State keeps that Minnesota game. I'll need your restaurant recommendations. Mm. He'll have them. He'll be ready for you. 
Oh, I know he will. Mike's recommendations are solid. Big Ten Network Plus, I really think I could do better with two iPhones and two fourth graders. (laughs) Was it that bad? Loser. Horrible. Big Ten broadcast of the baseball tournament in Minnesota. It was awful. Uh, Hey, Dad, it's like, you know how... (laughs) Or the the service that we use, when you guys are adjusting your camera, when you push the button, it kind of takes a second to move over. It's like they were using those cameras on the broadcast. If a ball get hit in the outfield, you would not see where the ball went until after it was fielded and thrown back in. Like they couldn't move the cameras fast enough to pick up balls that were hit in the outfield sometimes. Very bad. But again, that's what... I bet if it had been a hockey tournament, the camera at work would have been incredible. That's what Mm. most people in college baseball deal with on a weekly basis. That was the Big Ten Plus, guys. That's what the second richest conference in college sports puts into their baseball product. That's what that was. We are spoiled here. Yeah, it reminds you to be thankful for what you've got. Uh, Jeff in Oxford, winner. Liv Morgan for consoling the young fan after she lost her WWE match this week. Loser. The cameraman at the tourney in Minneapolis this weekend. <laughs> okay. I mean, Keep if we're gonna do coming. wrestling, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's winner or loser, but MJF throwing a drink in a kid's face last night was outstanding. I'm sensing a theme here. Loser, the most horrible announcers ever with the Big Ten baseball play-by-play. I just tuned in. They were so bad. It was probably your first loser of the day. Richard Cross, save us. Throw up the cross signal. Uh, Loser, the home run line that was just for decoration. Well, that was (laughs) was for high school. Yeah, that was for high school. Yeah. Um. There are more and more people that are talking about the broadcast over the course of the weekend. So You guys are spoiled. You don't understand, man. Uh, the, the broadcasters, the quality, the equipment, the technology here is is unique in the sport. Morky, one last one on that note. Somebody says, try canceling your Big Ten subscription. Impossible. Loser. <laughs> um, it's not like flow baseball. It'll make it easy, huh? Loser Manchester United, if you know, you know. They lost 7-0 to Liverpool yesterday. I couldn't believe it. I I didn't watch the game. I knew nothing nothing about it. And then I got in the car and just looked on Twitter and I saw that. I I was literally like, what? And I went and found the highlights. And, man, (laughs) I don't have a lot to laugh about this Premier League season, but I laughed about that. I mean, Your boys, what an incredible win for Arsenal on Saturday. Coming from behind, scoring in the 97th minute to get the win. Unbelievable. Boom go the cannons, baby. Boom go the cannons. Winners of four of their last five. Yeah, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff. Uh, we got another one that says winner. Ole Miss with Chris Beard? Question mark? Mm. We shall see. We shall see. It certainly it certainly looks like it's trending toward that being a very real possibility. Is that sufficiently vague? That was vague. Uh, I mean, it's being reported. Uh, you know, when you don't put your stuff behind a paywall, I, I don't feel bad saying it. The Ole Miss Spirit reported that they were meeting, like, in person. Yeah, uh, this week 
So yeah. if you're meeting, I think they reported that it was happening today. There are some people, I got I got a text a second ago saying that he's in town, like in Oxford. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah. if that is the case, if that is true, then you don't just do that with all of your candidates. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, here's one more winner. Southern Miss bouncing back to sweep Dallas Baptist after losing uh, three of the previous four games. Those are your winners and losers. Let's talk a little bit more about the Chris Beard thing when we uh, come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. So what to make of the Chris Beard story as it pertains to Ole Miss? I feel like I've this is the third time that I've done this. Maybe it'll be the last time that I've done it. A couple weeks ago, I made a very definitive statement that Ole Miss wasn't hiring Chris Beard. Ole Miss wasn't hiring Will Wade. I was... Right about at least half of it. We'll, we'll see how it turns out on, on the other half. Um, but coaching searches have a life cycle, and things change. And two weeks ago, Ole Miss wasn't even entertaining the idea of hiring Chris Beard. But if you're going to go through a process like this, you got to do a lot of due diligence. you got to do a lot of vetting. you got to talk to a lot of people. you got to get through the entire process, if you're doing it right, and if the reports are indeed true that Chris Beard is on the Ole Miss campus or is coming to the Ole Miss campus, then you have to believe that in the process of going through due diligence, background checks, vetting, talking to people, that the folks in charge at Ole Miss got to a place where either they believed something different than had been initially reported or they have gotten more details, they've been able to kind of flesh out the whole thing. And, and, I mean, Borky, you said a second ago you don't bring lots of candidates on campus. Generally speaking, you don't bring candidates on campus, period. That's not how coaching searches work. No. Not not in this world. Not in not in today. That's how it works in the NBA and the NFL. Totally different animal. D- different deal in college athletics. It's agents, it's off-site meetings, it's Zoom calls, it's background checks handled by search firms. And and so my question is why would why would you bring Chris Beard on campus? I think there are a couple of answers to that. One, you're very serious about the possibility of hiring him. Two, because of what has happened in the last few months, this is a guy that you feel like you've got to sit down and visit with face-to-face. And probably, I wouldn't think that that would be just a 
Keith Carter meeting either. No, you're exactly right. I've, I've talked to a couple people about this. Where Well, Keith just needs to go do it. Keith just needs to hire him. And, and I said, Keith, This, this Keith is not has, a hire that the AD makes on his own. No, he's got people to answer to. And at the end of the day, uh, Keith Carter is a is the director of one branch of the University of Mississippi. He's got a boss, and that boss also answers to people. And it's not as simple as just hire him, because if there are people, and I don't know if this is true or not, I have no idea, but if there are people on the academic side that don't approve of that, either A, you bring the guy in to try to help sell him to those people, or you might have to go another direction. It's not Keith Carter is not his. He's not his own boss. He has to answer to people as well, and those people do have say. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's in between. How do you think Dave Doran was not the coach at Ole Miss? The athletic director wanted Dave Doran to be the coach at Ole Miss, and the chancellor at the time wanted to go a different direction. Guess who had the final say? So it, the, the people that, oh, just hire him, just hire him. No, it's not that simple. You have to sell people, and I'm not talking about boosters, on his candidacy and him being your next coach because Ole Miss basketball represents the university, a, a, a institution of higher learning. So there's more layers to hiring a guy like that than just Keith Carter does what he wants. We get a message, and it's one of uh, Hey Dad's favorite texters, but I'll, I'll read it. It says, um, it says that you don't have to read this on the air, Richard. He said, if I, I, I don't mind reading it, but I believe your quote was, quote, Texas did their due diligence and research, and they decided to fire him, so there's no way Ole Miss will hire him. That's what you said, and I admire your ability to polish, uh, polish this turd. Appreciate your candor. And if that wasn't what I said verbatim, it was close. You're right. After a period of a couple of weeks, Texas ultimately parted ways with Chris Beard. Um, I talked to a lot of people on this um, in a lot of different directions, trying to learn more, trying to understand more. And I'm not going to try and convince you of anything. I'm not. If Chris Beard ends up being the the next basketball coach against Ole Miss uh, at Ole Miss, he's going to be asked about what happened, and and he'll have to answer that. And then you can decide for yourself. Um, one thing that I have learned as I have dug through this is similar to what Michael Borky was just saying about Ole Miss. Chris Del Conte, the AD at Texas, he didn't have the sole authority to make the decision on whether Texas retained Chris Beard or moved on. There are a lot of stakeholders in every place you go. We'll be back. Okay. Let's go. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Don't hurt yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. you come back home I ain't been feeling good and I know it 
5 o'clock hour with you on this Monday. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. If you want to watch, you can do so at Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Alongside Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, I am Richard Cross. We're coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit their website, pearlriverresort.com, and uh, keep up with everything that is going on, whether it's what's happening at Dancing Rabbit, what's happening at the, the Golden Moon or the Silver Star, or the uh, the events, the entertainment events that they've got coming. And there's always cool stuff that is uh, on the horizon. Uh, just this past weekend, you had Trace Adkins, who was at center stage in the Silver Star Convention Center, uh, coming up in uh, in April, April 15th. Genuine will be there as well. You can buy tickets online at PearlRiverResort.com. You look like you were about to say something, Borgie. Yeah, there was a old trend on the Internet from one of Genuine's songs, Pony. And they would loop, and they would do it especially to golfers. And, like, if they would miss a putt and, like, react, and they would mm-hmm. loop it to where it looked like they were dancing to Pony. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. So you can go and dance to Pony. Yes, right? Exactly. Uh, you can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. So let's get into the college football fix, shall we? College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Best drive the F-150 as part of Truck Month. Check out the all-new Ford Super Duty, or if you're looking for a pickup, maybe it's the Ranger or the Maverick. Call it your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So it was last week, I believe it was, when uh, Nick Saban was none too pleased about Alabama's Likely future opponents in the SEC's new scheduling model, part of a likely nine-team conference schedule going forward, that will include three permanent opponents. Alabama's three permanent opponents will be Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. And Nick Saban didn't like that. Did not like it. He knows there's no way around Auburn. He wouldn't have minded two years ago if it was Tennessee. And LSU is a recent rivalry that Alabama, for the most part, has had the upper hand in. It is interesting, don't you think, that the year after losing to two of those three permanent opponents, Nick Saban has a huge problem with those being the three permanent opponents. I'm sure it's just coincidence. He's 8-2 and two in his last 10 against LSU and 9-1 and one against Tennessee. He'll be okay. Yes, yes, I think he will be okay. Yeah, and the schedules, as you were saying before we came on, they are going to be so balanced. The hand-wringing over permanent opponents is mm-hmm. ridiculous because they are all going to be so balanced that you won't even notice a difference. Yeah, you won't. You won't. You're playing everybody every two years. Everybody in the league. Mm-hmm. You just have to retail. It, it, wouldn't it kind of be funny if Greg Sankey was like, oh, okay. Well, sure, we'll, we'll take LSU off and uh, we'll give you Georgia. Yeah. We'll play Georgia every year. Oh, that's not that's not what you were hoping for? 
My apologies. I, th- I thought you wanted something different. I feel like Mickey Mouse would like that. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, indeed. A um, little bit different take from another coach who I think is excited about the direction of his program in the SEC. We take you to Red Stick. LSU's Brian Kelly, quote, I want to play the best. I came down here to the SEC because I wanted to play against Alabama. I want to play A&M. I want to play Auburn, the great teams. One of those is not like the other. Two of those are not like the other. And in our new scheduling, we get to play Alabama every year, Ole Miss every year, and A&M. Three of those are not like the other. I'll just say it for you. You're you're not wrong. You're, you're, You're not wrong. By if he had said Mississippi State, four of those would have been not like the other. I, I won't. I'll just tell you. Yes, I mean, outside of Georgia, all of those are not like the other. Right. Um. By the way, we have now formally accepted Ross Dellinger's latest. These are going to be the matchups. As those are going to be the matchups, right? And Ross, we trust. Yeah. Ross Our- Dellinger, we trust. Not, not all Rosses. Not all Rosses are created equal. Barring a material change, I suppose. Maybe Nick Saban's complaining will get uh, him a, a little switcheroo, but yeah. Maybe. So Mississippi State's three permanents are Ole Miss, Kentucky, and... Texas A&M. Texas A&M. It's not a bad draw. That is... Literally, outside of getting Vanderbilt over Kentucky, about as good as you could have hoped for. Uh, Ole Miss's three permanents, LSU, Mississippi State, Arkansas. I don't think that's terrible. Get to keep, no. Get to keep the best game of the year. I love the history of the Ole Miss-Arkansas series. Ole Miss and Arkansas played regularly before Arkansas was part of the SEC. There's a lot of history there. There's history and there's hate. It's real. Fans don't like each other. It's a spicy game. It is. And it's been a great game. Yeah. Been incredible matchups. Um, This could be fun, though. Yeah. I, I, I like Brian Kelly's approach to it, though. That's what makes Nick Saban's whining so ridiculous. It's like the, the schedules are going to be balanced. If you're mad that you get LSU, well, instead, what do you want to? You want them replaced with Vanderbilt? Good for you. You still have to play LSU twice in four years, and you'll play Texas and Georgia, and you'll play everybody. The, yeah. the complaining is absurd. And Brian Kelly's like, yeah, it's the SEC. Everybody's the best. I mean, what else are you going to do about it? Complaining is going to get you nothing. You're still going to have to play in the most difficult league in America. And if you're LSU, you've got advantages over almost everybody in that league. So just embrace it. Yeah, I'm excited to play the best. That's why I'm here. $100 million is really why he's there. But that that's why I'm here. And, you know, I'll accept it. I'm looking forward to playing. And this you get $100 million elsewhere. I guess he could have. To play. But, I, I, I mean, it, what he said, there's some genuineness to it. Yeah. There's some sincerity. Because he could have gotten a hundred. If he had wanted the job at USC, he could have gotten it and gotten the money that Lincoln Riley got it when Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, although it would it'd be the SEC. But you see what I'm saying? He could get any. Brian Kelly could have gotten any job he really wanted. He, I mean, maybe he is a competitor. 
You got LSU going in year one? Where, he, had done going everything, he had done everything that he could possibly do at Notre Dame. He left yeah. Notre Dame as the winningest coach in school history, and he took them to multiple playoff appearances, and he knew that he could not build a roster that could win a national championship in the current landscape of college football at Notre Dame. And so he took a calculated risk to go to a place where it is evident you can build a roster to win a national championship in the current landscape of college football. He believed in himself as a coach. He believed in the place that he was going. He had recent history on his side because the last three coaches at LSU have all won national championships. He went to a state with a single school where he should be able to get the best players from that state on an annual basis. And he is. And and he is. And he can get the best players from other states on an annual basis. He absolutely can. Because he's coaching at LSU. It's just nice to hear a football coach not complain about something. It, it is. I mean, that's all we've heard from them is just complaints. Oh, they're tampering with us. Oh, my gosh, the players get paid. Brian Kelly, yeah, we're good. Looking forward to it. I love that. Yeah. And I'll keep getting on the turntable and dancing with recruits if that's what it takes to get them here. Until they transfer a year later. But do it. Yes. One other note for the college football fix. Future. SEC head coach Steve Sarkeesian said on Monday that all positions are up for grabs, including quarterback, where sophomore Quinn Ewers and freshman Arch Manning will compete for the starting job. What did he say about it? He said, quote, he I'm not the worried. Mannings? What was that? Is he related to the uh, the Manning family? Arch? Yeah. Yeah, he is. That'd be a weird coincidence. Okay, I, I wasn't sure. I hadn't yeah. heard much about that kid. Sark said, I'm not worried about who's going to be on the cover of what magazine next week. I'm more fo- uh, I'm more focused on is is each guy focusing on what they need to do to develop to be the best player they can be. Quinn has an entire year of a head start, but I don't want to hold Arch back. I want to see how far he can take this thing and what it can look like. Be Sarkeesian on his quarterback battle. Sports Talk Mississippi. And by the way, I don't know if you heard or not, Quinn Ewer's got a haircut. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi sure Ford that. dealers. Mike Bianco joins us next on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line and visit with the Ole Miss head baseball coach, Mike Bianco. Fresh off a, uh, a weekend in Minneapolis where the Rebels won three games in three days to win the college, uh, the Cambria College Baseball Classic. I think that's what it was called. Uh, he joins us uh, right now. And uh, Coach Bianco, thanks as always for your time. I'd like to start here, if if you don't mind. I, I have not pulled the numbers to know that this is exact. But I would guess that if you averaged the previous 22 seasons, that your fielding percentage would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 975. And that that's not exact, but I, I would think that it would be somewhere in that neighborhood. 
Yeah, I, I would imagine that's pretty close. Yeah, your teams have made three errors this season. How is that happening? Because that is that's unbelievably good defense. It is, and you know, I think a couple things. And I said this in you know our opening press conference. Uh, you know, one, you know, we we return you know a good bit of the guys that were here last year. Now, obviously, we lose Elko, we lose Bench, we lose Graham, we lose Dunhurst, uh, but we replaced Dunhurst with Harris, who you know is uh, you know I think you know a guy that you know could have started at any school in the SEC you know last year maybe, but you know because we had Hayden Dunhurst, he didn't you know play behind the plate. We also return our shortstop at Gonzalez and Chatnier, and we return our center fielder. But he got beaten out defensively by Ethan Groff, so we actually upgraded right field and you know and upgraded center field at the same time. And so when you look at the, you know what we have on the field, we're an older team. So older teams that are you know pretty good teams, you know usually you know continue to to, to either be consistent or better you know, defensively. And I would think another thing to this point uh, is uh, we might be leading the SEC in strikeouts per nine. You know, so this is, you know, kind of a negative stat to what you're saying. Uh, we strike out a lot of people, you know, on the mound, you know, and uh, we've walked too many yet to this point. But we strike out a lot of people. So, you know, there, there's probably been a you know, one or two less balls and put in play per game. You mentioned the walks. Umpires are being graded this year. They're using some of the TrackMan technology that, that players or teams have used for a number of years to, to measure lots of different things. Do you think that has changed the strike zone this season? Oh, 100%. Not just this year, but the strike zone's been getting steadily smaller, uh, you know, over the last few years, you know, because of, you know, the way they're getting graded out. It used to be just a subjective, you know, grading that the coaches, we, we turn in a, a report at the end of each weekend series for conference games, not non-conference games. And, uh, but now they actually have, you know, uh, objective data, you know, like, you know, what, what, where, where pitches were called balls, you know, that were strikes and vice versa. So, uh, that, that's happening. And, you know, people say, oh man, I wish we could watch a game and put the box up. We don't want the box. You know, we don't want what you see in major league because our guys are major league pitchers. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's difficult in college baseball when they're amateur pitchers. You know, I think most people would argue that, you know, we want the strike zone to be a little bit bigger than, than the major league strike zone. So yeah, the zone's gotten smaller. And then I think, you know, you, you know, recruiting wise, we're all human, you know, and because of there's more metrics, you, know, you, you recruit guys with more stuff and less pitchability probably, you know, uh, and that's again a general comment. I don't know if it's, you know, holds true on every kid that you recruit, but there's, you know, there's kids that are throwing 95, 96, you know, when, you know, that never happened, you know, 10, 15 years ago. What did you make of this weekend? You, you beat uh, you beat Maryland in the first game. You beat Minnesota, and uh, you get the win over Nebraska uh, over the course of three days. What was your takeaway from the weekend? Well, I thought uh, offensively we had a really good weekend. Uh, I thought on Friday facing Savicol for a second time, we did a much better job. We just were able to put some some better at bats together, and even though we didn't have a ton of hits. Uh, but we made Savicle, Jason Savicle, the, the Maryland pitcher on Friday night, who just dominated us a, a week before. Uh, we just made him work, and we scored a few runs, but more importantly, we got him out of the game in the fifth inning. He ran his pitch count up. And I think besides that, the rest of the games, we, we just continue to swing it well. It's a good, you know, you know, it's a good offensive swinging well now, one through nine, and we put a lot of pressure on the other team. So happy with that. On the mound, uh, we continue to tick up and then get a little bit better. 
You know, I, I thought uh, you know Doherty pitched better. I thought Sonny pitched better. I thought Rivas pitched better. I thought the three starters pitched better. Maybe their their best starts of uh, of the three weeks. And then out of the bullpen, those guys pitched a little bit better. I thought you know, um, and so we're we're getting better. We're you know we we still have a ways to go to be the team. That, and I know that sounds like coaches speak, but I mean, let's face it, you 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 better get better over the next few months. Everybody else is, but we are getting better. And uh, on the mound, we're cutting some strikeouts down. I think we're we're making a few better pitches, and and so uh, it was a good weekend for us. Without going into too many specifics, you, you got good news uh, on on the Hunter Elliott front last week. Yeah, that Great that's news, not yeah. something that that you guys rushed. Can, can you kind of talk us through the process of how you deal with an injury for for a pitcher on your staff? Obviously, a guy that that has a really bright future in front of him so that you can be comfortable, but also so that he and his family can be comfortable? It's a great question, and it's a hard, you know, hard answer for, for somebody in my position. But, you know, basically, you know, I think what you're talking about is, is true. I mean, everybody's got to feel comfortable with the, the diagnosis and, you know, and, and, and what the, the rehab and the protocol is going forward. And uh, and Hunter's been terrific. His family's been terrific. And uh, because of, you know where the 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 injury was you know it, it it sends up a lot of you know warning signals let's be you know very cautious and uh and I think that's what everybody did is everybody you know stepped back took a big you know big big uh, deep breath but basically what we what we did and what Hunter wanted and you know the family is you know let's you know and, and you got to give uh Kurt Curry Luber a lot of credit here our our team orthopedic where we got the MRI done and then we made sure that we put it in all the best hands around the country uh, you know, get doctors that, you know, look at major league, you know, arms every single day. And the great news, uh, and I think what we feel, all feel really good, co- you know, going, you know, forward is, uh, they, they were all, uh, in agreement, very consistent on what we should do, uh, uh, going forward. And so I think that's, you know, the, the best news, you know, that, that we could have is, you know, we're going to take some time off. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, rest that area and, and make sure that, um, you know, when we get, get him back to, to throw and, uh, that he feels really good. So, you know, it was the best, best news that we could have. When you're recruiting a pitcher and, and you're talking to parents, is that a conversation that you have to have during the recruiting process? I mean, and nobody wants to forecast an injury, but do you have to kind of talk with parents about it in the event of an injury, this is how we handle it and here's the evidence of how we handle it? Sure. You know, so, uh, I, there, it's probably, I don't want to say every recruit asks that, but most pitching families ask that. And, uh, uh, you know, and then, you know, you try to give them examples of how, how you handle it. And because, you know, the parents are so educated, I think, through the recruiting process now, uh, they know. You know, they, they, they learn from their travel coaches. They, they talk to, you know, agent advisors. They talk to different people. And, you, you know, you tend to get reputations, you know, good or bad, how you handle injuries. So uh, there's no doubt that it's part of the recruiting process. Last thing for you today. We're in a, a different era, obviously, in the transfer portal. And it feels like you, you've really hit big time uh, the last couple of years. But especially with, with Ethan Groff, who you talked about a second ago in, in center field and, and Calarco, how did you identify those guys, and, and how did that process go? Well, 
Well, you know, one, uh, you know, the credit goes to Carl Lafferty, our recruiting coordinator, Mike Clement, that, that you know, assists him, our hitting coach. And, uh, you know, like everybody else, I don't think it's it's scientific. You know, you you know, you, you, know, you get a report. Uh, you can check every day if you want. But uh, Sam Slavic, one of our director of operations, is kind of in charge of, uh, you know, uh, narrowing down all the, the new uh, entries into the portal. And then you try to, you know, kind of find the holes in what, what you're looking for. And we knew because we were losing some offensive pieces, we were going to need some people. And uh, those are guys that, you know, I think were one of the reasons why the portal's there, right? You're talking about a kid in Ethan that uh, was at Tulane, a, a good program, uh, got injured, was probably going to get drafted, signed, probably was going to be the player of the year in the American and uh and uh broke his you know hand you know late in the season you know goes undrafted and uh he wants the chance to to play you know big time college baseball in a big time league and so we recruited him anthony similar you know anthony went to northwestern was a you know graduated was a you know grad transfer a guy that played in the big 10 and had a lot of success but you know we wanted to see if there's something else out there a lot of like john gaps right of, of last year where hey i've had this success but man i'd love to I'd love to play in the SEC with the, the big stadiums and the nice facilities and get a chance to go to Omaha. And, and I think, you know, that's, you know, why those guys are here. Tomorrow night, Southern Miss, big time midweek game. And uh, you're going to run a freshman out in, uh, in JT Quinn for, uh, for another start. Yeah, you know he's he's pitched really well for us. His numbers, you know, don't show it, but man, he's 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 pitched really well, and uh, we're really happy with you know the what he's done you know over the last you know, first three weeks of the season. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, give him another start against a really good you know uh, team, as as we all know, right? Uh, I don't think yeah. uh, we need to talk much about you know that obviously Southern Miss is you know that's been tremendous, and uh, so it'll be a big test not just for for him but for us. Coach, thanks as always for your time. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right, Richard. Thank you. Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Gerard Gibbert will be at the Mississippi Trademark on Wednesday for the Mississippi Construction Education Foundation Skills Competition. Registration starts soon. For more information, go to mcef.net. That's mcef.net for more information. A reminder that uh, country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford. And Super Talk Mississippi is giving you a chance to win tickets. Just enter your name at one of the registration boxes located throughout the state. For example, Southern Business Supply in Meridian, the old Coke plant in Brookhaven, or at Scruggs Lawn and Garden in Tupelo. There are many other locations as well. For the full list of places that you can register, go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen. 
Winners will get two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium on April 23rd. It's all brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. So that is, uh, that's coming up. And apparently, this is not information that I would have been able to give you if not for my 12-year-old daughter, but there is a new Morgan Wallen album that has just dropped, um, and she was listening to it yesterday. She's quite excited about the Morgan Wallen concert coming later this year. Yeah, There's a, a thing that Barstool does called Sunday Conversation, one of the great things they actually do, it's where uh, the Caleb Presley interviews somebody, and he makes it really, don't watch it around kids, it's really inappropriate and awkward on purpose. And he did one with Morgan Wallen. Hmm. And he's like, you got a new album coming out? And Wallen was like, yeah. He said, 34 or 38 songs or whatever. And Wallen said, yeah, it took me a long time. He's like, I'll never hear the end of it. And while laughing, he's like, no, seriously, I will never listen to the end of your album. <laughs> wow. That is way too long. That is uh, just right to his face. Just nope, I will never hear the end of it. What what's the uh, the message board abbreviation or the Twitter abbreviation TLDR? TLDR. Didn't read. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's TLDL. like TLDL. Uh, too yeah. long didn't or, listen. I'm not reading all that. Sorry that happened. Or happy for you. Well, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the two. All right. Net rankings right now. Alabama 2, Tennessee 3, Arkansas 18, Kentucky 19, Texas A&M 23. We know without a doubt those five teams from the SEC are in the tournament. Missouri at 48 is in. Auburn at 32, thanks to their win over Tennessee on Saturday. Auburn kind of played itself into a little bit of trouble. Yeah. They have likely they secured their win. tournament spot. They, they needed that one. They, they needed did, that win. Did, yeah. did not need to continue to tailspin. Most recent update from Joe Lenardi has Kansas, Alabama, Houston, and UCLA as the top four seeds. The last four buys are Boise State, NC State, Pittsburgh, and Penn State. That means those are the last four teams that are just in the big bracket. They don't have to go to Dayton and play in the playing games. The last four in, Mississippi State, the first of the last four, Utah State, Rutgers, and Nevada. First four out, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, Arizona State, North Carolina. Next four out, Michigan, Charleston, Clemson, and Oregon. And then after that, you get the uh, the teams that are still being considered. That's the way Joe Lunardi classifies them. And the first of those four teams is Vanderbilt. So based on this right now, Vanderbilt is the ninth team out of the NCAA tournament. So here's Vanderbilt's resume. They are 18 and 13 overall. Of those 18 wins, 11 of them are Southeastern Conference wins. They have a combined nine quad one and quad two wins, which, by the way, is the same number as Missouri. It's two more than Mississippi State. 
It's the same number as Auburn. It's one less than Texas A&M. It's more than Arkansas. It's one less than Tennessee. So teams that we have said are in the tournament, and I, I, I mentioned Mississippi State there, but but let's not, of the teams that we said that are in the tournament, Vanderbilt's right there. The difference is Vanderbilt also has three losses that are either quad three or quad four losses. They have two quad three losses and one quad four. Should that, in your mind, be a disqualifier for Vanderbilt in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, the thing that the they, they, the committee people or whatever they read says is that it's they take the season as a whole. So yes, in conference play, Vanderbilt has been outstanding, but in non-conference play, they have three bad losses. And there's yeah. no getting around that fact. Those are three bad losses. So if we take everything into account, do those things kind of balance out? And maybe, maybe. But I mean, right now, what do they have? Eighteen wins. That, that 18, eighteen wins. Just if it, you know, using an eye test kind of thing, if I said this team is eighteen and thirteen, should they be in the NCAA tournament? Your first thought is always going to be no. Eye test of the record. I, that's not an eye test of watching right. them play. That's right, right, right. But I'm just saying, if I told you eye test, so you know, you think Vanderbilt's in? What's their record? Eighteen and thirteen? No, they're not in. Nobody would say different. Now, if you watch them play, they're they're good. They're a good team. You know, also does the committee take into account? And you know, they did win without him Saturday, but they won Robbins their last two out. without Liam Robbins. He got yeah. hurt the first four it's, it's minutes. Really weird of Kentucky. Yeah. All right, so here's closer look. So I don't know the the losses that are hurting Vanderbilt. They lost to Southern Miss in the second game of the season. Lost to Memphis to open the year. Memphis is a tournament team. Lost to Southern Miss in the second game of the year. They lost to St. Mary's. St. Mary's is a tournament team. They lost at VCU. Bad loss. They lost to Grambling. That is the anchor around their neck. Two-point loss to Grambling, ten games into the year. But let's talk about the wins for a second. Grambling's net is 178. It's actually not as bad as I would have guessed. I would have thought that they were in like the 250s. Yeah, Yeah, they're 20 and 8 overall. They they might be the highest SWAC team in there. They have a win against Arkansas, tournament team. Hmm. They have a win against Tennessee, tournament team. They've got a win on the road against Florida. And let's see, Florida is at 59 in the net, so that is a quad one win because it was on the road. Hmm. They have a... Win at home against Auburn. Auburn's a tournament team. They got a home win against Florida. Now, that's that's not a quad one win. And they have a win at Kentucky. It's quad two, though. It is. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, we mentioned it. They've got nine quad one, quad two wins. And then they've got a win against Mississippi State this past week, which is another quad two win also for them. Quad two, yeah. Yeah. Am I crazy for looking at this and going... At some point, wins should matter. 
Now, I know, I, I guess losses have to factor into the equation as well, but they have won eight of their last nine games. And they have 11 SEC wins, and like five of those are against tournament teams. How is that not an NCAA tournament resume? It's the bad losses. It just, they're just like you said, anchors. I mean, that's not no pun intended with Vanderbilt, but that is that is a that is what that is. I mean, okay, that All LSU right. game really sank them. Really, did. really did. If they had just beaten LSU, I think I think they'd be in. But that's but would they? Because thing. their their net would be. I mean, instead of eighty three, it'd be what like seventy five. Yeah, but it would be one less bad loss for the committee to hang on them. Yeah. Yeah, that one. That one absolutely. I mean, state, state dropped what? State, state dropped four spots, losing to uh, or five spots losing or winning a quad one, quad four game. Losing All right, so one is just so let me ask you this. Let, let, let me let's let's be objective about this. Who's got a better NCAA tournament resume? Is it Vanderbilt or Mississippi State? Vandy has eleven conference you, wins, and they've got the three bad yeah. losses. Mississippi State has eight conference wins. They've got two really good out-of-conference wins in Marquette and Utah, and they've got one bad loss, one quad three loss, no quad four losses. So which is yeah. the better resume? It's really tight. Vandy, Vandy winning the game might give them an edge, to be honest. Say, and a head-to-head win, too. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky has maybe the greatest stat of the day of all time. This is worth a mention. Some of the greatest hitters of all time in Major League Baseball. They could have gone 0 for what and still finished their career as a 300 hitter. Have a career batting average of 300 Tony Gwynn could have gone O for his last 1,182. That's going O for 4 in 296 consecutive games, and he still could have been a 300 hitter. The great Ted Williams, he could have gone 286 straight games at O for 4 or O for 1,144. And still been a 300 hitter. Rogers Hornsby. Two full seasons plus. 398 games he could have gone 0 for 4. That's 0 for 1594 and still been a 300 hitter. But Borky, this number for Ty Cobb is ridiculous. Shocking. Hey, Ted, Ty Cobb could have finished his career going 0 for 4. 
in 632 consecutive games. No hits in 2,529 at-bats and still hit 300 for his career. I mean, his career batting average is absurd. It's 367. That's, yes. That's a good season. Um, based on 162 games, that's 3.9 years. <laughs> he could have gone the last the four seasons of his career without a hit and still been a 300 hitter. You think they take him out of the lineup after like two and a half seasons? Of just like it's just not happening, Ty. It's whatever it is. You lost it. Yeah. You know what? You're just going to hit 320 for your career. It's okay, kid. They've You're been okay. long deceased, but Major League Baseball writers and Hall of Fame voters are still the biggest losers on the planet. He didn't get 100 percent of the vote. Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb didn't get 100 percent of the vote to Babe Ruth, make Gehrig, Major League Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Imagine being that guy. Did anything from the combine this weekend just blow you away? That uh, I mean, I, I'm, Anthony Richardson's numbers were awesome, but I expected them to be. He's a freak athlete, but that still doesn't mean I would want him leading my NFL team. Borky, the high jump apparently uh, completely eliminates all of your game film, so. Good. It's I'm good interested like to see what happens with Forbes. You know, he ran a four three five, great speed. Yeah, as I expected. But one sixty six is what he weighed in at. That that that's light. He right. needs when he gets to pro day, he needs to be probably sitting around one eighty. Yeah. Manual, hit me up, bro. We'll go eat. One seventy five was the lightest corner in the NFL this past season. So he's he's almost ten pounds mm-hmm. smaller than the smallest corner. In the NFL, so and yet we gotta get some meat on them bones. And yet he popped. And yet, yep, yeah. I mean, it's not like he didn't face big physical receivers in the SEC. I mean, he's got the game film. You, you, you Borky just mentioned game film. His is there, but they're gonna look at that. So I'm just telling you, man, get that guy. You know, every you don't need a nutritionist. We don't need to get him with any special coaches. We just need to get him to my house. Well, but he doesn't. And, and look. He doesn't need to just load up on fried food and heavy carbs for the next. Oh, no. Well, we're going to carbo load for sure. We're going to we're eating some pasta. That's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the carbs is okay. Okay. Yeah. But he doesn't need to just go eat crap for the next two weeks or no, three no, no. weeks. No, no, no. We'll eat an athlete's diet, but we're going to eat a lot of it. A lot of bacon, a lot of eggs, <sighs> some a lot bacon of pasta. Eggs are happening, yeah. yeah. A lot of protein shakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I don't or, know about that. We'll just, we'll, just, we'll just eat steaks. Protein steaks. Or what if he's just good? And it's There could be that. What if he's just good enough on the nutrition plan that he's been operating on, in the weight program that he's been in? <clears throat> Bill and Starkville, Borky gets all the credit on this. He says, shout out to you guys for the Skinner tribute today in honor of Gary Rossington. Yes, that was all Michael Borky, and it was exceptionally well done. So, very, very good stuff. And we just scratched the surface today. We will uh, we'll dig a little deeper tomorrow as we uh, continue this week on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Enjoy your Monday night. Talk to you tomorrow. 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.